Last week, I have to confess, I, I did something I've never done before. I didn't do an icebreaker. Does anyone remember that? It got right into, I don't know what happened last week. Some people asked me, were, were, did someone yell at you? Was someone angry for those icebreakers? They didn't think they were funny? Was your sermon too long? And I said, probably. But the reason I didn't is because I forgot. I had it right up here. In fact, it's still up here, my one from last week. Um, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this week. We're going to talk about some, a really important topic, but I do like to start with an icebreaker because it helps us relax a little bit and you get to realize how incredibly clever and funny your pastor is. And humble. And humble. Thank you. Thank you, Estelle. Keeping me in line there. We like humor here at Crossroads Church. I hope that's okay. I'm going to tell you 10 of the most powerful things in the world. Okay? Think about what would be on your list. 10 of the most powerful things in the world. What would be on the top of that list? Well, I thought of 10. Number one is the will of a toddler. We have several toddlers in our house, and their will is very, very strong, um, unlike a power I've seen before. So the will of a toddler, if you've ever experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. That is a very powerful thing. Here's another one, the desire to sleep past your alarm. Has anyone ever experienced this, ever been rude to their alarm clock? Yes. Now, you've set the alarm clock. Why are we angry with the alarm clock? The alarm clock's just doing what we programmed it to do. But for some reason, when we wake up, it's annoying, and sometimes the power to sleep past that alarm is very strong. Here's number three. Your appetite while you're on a diet or on a fast, right? I don't know what it is. I could have eaten four hours before, but if I've started a diet or a fast, all of a sudden I'm incredibly hungry. And I have the, I have the need to cheat on that, even though I try not to. Here's another power that's really strong, is the magnetism of a perfectly white shirt with messy food or liquid. Now, I don't like wearing shirts this color, because I know what's going to happen. There's going to find some liquid or some stain on it before I know it. That's a power you almost can't control. Here's number five. Maybe some of you have experienced this as well. <laughs> the urge to honk your horn or make some comment when there's a bad driver in front of you. I won't ask you to slip up your hand because I know you're all guilty. Because I'm guilty. That's a strong urge, is it not? Unfortunately. Here's number six. The guilt you feel when a friend asks you to help them move. I like that little uh, thing up there. It says, just a heads up, that I consider you a close enough friend to make you help me move one day. <laughs> so you want most of your friends, you want to stay just on the outskirts, okay? Not close enough that they ask you to help them move. Because that, that's a strong guilt feeling, isn't it? Would you please help me move? In fact, I asked you guys to help me move before I even knew you. I said, come unload my truck, and most of you showed up. So that means we're friends. How about this one, number seven? <laughs> the urge to sing a catchy song that is playing on the radio, right? I've done this in the grocery store. Anyone else? Okay, nobody else. That's awkward. Uh, when, a, when an 80s song comes on the grocery store, I just find myself singing it. I don't know what it is. There's something, something strong about that. No one else? Come on now. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I couldn't be alone. <laughs> Here's another one that I've experienced, and some of you men have experienced this. It's the grip of a woman in labor. That is super natural. Now, Janine actually came up with that one, okay? So don't, don't be throwing darts at me for that one. And she's right. That is a very strong grip that women have during labor. Um, very, very powerful. Here's number nine, the memory of a child or church member who has been promised something. <laughs> Right? When you promise a child something, they will remember that no matter what, no matter what you go through, that promise will come back and you will have to keep that promise. It's a very strong thing. And here's number 10, the most powerful thing in the world. 
is the irresistible desire to inform the pastor of the errors he made during his sermon. Some of you can't resist. I want you to read those little two memes up there. It says, this is, how, this is the look you give your pastor when he says he's going to wrap up the lesson 35 minutes ago. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That hurts my feelings. Okay, here's another one. What an amazing sermon today, Pastor. I was praying for you the entire time. Now, we, we take note of those who are praying for us during the sermon. David, just teasing. There's some powerful things in the world, but at the top of that list, I hope you believe, is the Holy Spirit, correct? We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, and it is a very big, mysterious topic. The Holy Spirit is one of those topics that's so big and so grand and so complex that it seems intimidating to preach about. Because I have grown up in the camps, and maybe you guys did as well, where the Holy Spirit was either neglected, we didn't talk about him at all, or we, we misused the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was something that the scriptures don't speak about. Today, what we want to do is simply stay within the pages of the scripture. There's a lot of ways I could teach this lesson, a lot of rabbit holes I could go down, a lot of different ministries and denominations I could bring up. I'm not really going to do that today, okay? I'm not going to smear anything. I'm not going to take a stance against misuse of the Holy Spirit. I think there will be a time for that. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to let the scripture speak to us about this really important topic, the Holy Spirit. And I hope you'll join us. There are notes available if you want them to take notes. And hopefully you can stay with us because we are going to jump around a little bit in Scripture like we've done for our last um, Foundations lesson. And there is a lot of content on the Holy Spirit. It's not ambiguous and it's not vague. The Scripture speaks very candidly about the Holy Spirit. And if you come to this passage in Romans 8, Romans 8 is one of those beautiful chapters full of God's promises to us. Paul says in verse 26 of Romans 8, he says this, he says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Aren't you glad for that? If you're like me, you're weak. You have many weaknesses. And therefore, we need God's help through those weaknesses. And we are given a promise from Paul, from God himself, that the Spirit will help us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Amen? When you don't know what to pray, when you don't know how to pray, it doesn't matter. Pray. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ and the Spirit will intercede for you. He will make sense of it. He will show you how to pray. He will make that aware to God, your spirit and your longings within you. It says that he searches hearts, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. I don't know necessarily how to best preach this today. Okay? Now, I believe the Lord has been with me all week preparing this lesson. But I want to pause now and I want to do that. I want to pray. I want to pray and ask the Lord to help me lay before you the proper things this morning. And I'm going to ask him for help to do that. So would you bow in prayer with me? Father, we come to you now, and you have told us that we can come to the throne of grace when we need help, and I believe I need help this morning. I believe we all need help, Father, to, to understand the right things about the Holy Spirit, to understand this profound power and resource that we've been given from you to accomplish your will. And Father, I need your help to, to preach. I need your help to speak and, and speak clearly about the truth of God. So I ask that you'd stand with me today. You'd open the minds and ears of those who are listening 
And encourage us all, Father, but teach us something today, something profound that would better, help us better utilize the Holy Spirit so we can walk in your truth. We can follow Jesus Christ. We can obey the commandments and we can glorify your great name. Thank you for this lesson that you put before us today. We give you all credit and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we have a few goals in this lesson, but we also have a few goals in our church, and that's kind of the point of this foundation series, is we're laying before all of us the goals for Crossroads Church. And so the Holy Spirit is going to bring up some goals that we have for our church, and I'm going to lay before you these goals right now. We want the Holy Spirit to help us give our lives to King Jesus. For those who have, you understand the importance of that, that we are sinners by nature. And if we do not have Jesus Christ cleansing our soul and giving us new birth and new life, we call it regeneration, then we have no hope on the other side. But because of King Jesus, because of our Savior, we can have life with God. So our first goal is that the Holy Spirit would help us understand the need for Jesus Christ in our lives. Number two is to believe and proclaim the gospel. We have a dark community out there, one who desperately needs to understand the truth about the gospel. And therefore, we need the Holy Spirit to embolden us because that can be a complicated, um, intimidating thing, even for pastors, to go into the community and have to share the gospel with those who don't necessarily want to hear it, but who need to hear it. We need the Holy Spirit's help to believe and proclaim the gospel. Number three, we need the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus and to obey his commandments as he taught us. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. We'll come back to that one. Number four is we need the Holy Spirit to help us resist the devil because we have to resist him. We cannot run. We cannot hide. We have to stand. We have to fight. And we have to go forward. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us do those things. Finally, we want the Holy Spirit to help us glorify our great God in all things. And that was our last topic, how to glorify God's great name. And we cannot do that properly without the help of the Holy Spirit. So those are our goals for Crossroads Church and even for this lesson today as we go forward. I want to start with some confusions about the Holy Spirit because there are many. And I want to share these with you because these are confusions that I had for many years about the Holy Spirit. And the Bible, unfortunately, is very clear about these things. And I think the problem with the Holy Spirit is we often uh, hear things that aren't in the Bible and assume they're true instead of going to the Scripture to find out if they are true. And the first confusion I want to clear up that maybe you have and maybe you don't have is that the Holy Spirit is not an it, okay? The Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead. He is part of the Trinity, as we call it, okay? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He is a person, and that might sound like a small detail to you, but it's not. That's a very important detail because this is a person that we're seeking to honor, a person that is all about the glory of God, divine in nature. And we do not want to refer to him as an it or a tool. He does give us tools, but the Holy Spirit is a person that resides within all Christians. We will come back to that as well. And that's an important thing to know about the Holy Spirit. Let's refer to him as a he and as a person of the Godhead because he is. Number two, in fact, this is what it says from Scripture. It says the Holy Spirit thinks in Acts 15. He speaks in Acts 1. He grieves in Ephesians 4. And he decides in 1 Corinthians 12. A thing cannot do that. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's God. He's part of the Godhead. And that's a really important thing to know. Here's number two. The Holy Spirit does nothing independent of his own accord. He does not have his own agenda. His agenda is to be entirely submissive to Jesus Christ. That's how this works. So as you know, there are three people of the Godhead. We have the Father. We have the Son. And we have the Spirit that we're talking about today. 
And yes, they're in order, and they're supposed to be in order, because the Son serves the Father. The Spirit serves the Son. But what's interesting, and we find this from Scripture, and we've already talked about this, is that the Father gives everything to the Son. He's given him the name that is above every name. And the Spirit also, as we'll learn, gives everything to the Son, meaning we have one conclusion. This thing we call Christianity, Christ's name being in the Word, is all about who? It's all about Jesus, because God has set it up that way. That does not mean we should not give glory to the Father. We should. That does not mean we shouldn't pray to the Father, because we should. But the Father himself and the Spirit himself has given everything to Jesus Christ to help us understand the proper things. So Jesus is the one that we should focus our attention upon, and that's how God wants it. And as we're going to learn, that's how the Spirit wants it. He, he is entirely submissive to King Jesus. Jesus himself said, I will send you the advocate in John 15, the Spirit of truth. And notice what he will do. He will come to you from the Father, and he will testify all about me. And that's going to be interesting for how we know whether we're listening to the Holy Spirit or not, because he's always going to direct his attention to Jesus Christ. Okay, and we'll come back to that. But that's a confusion we need to clear up. Number three is the Holy Spirit brings holiness in one's life. He brings order. He brings obedience and he brings glory to God. He does not bring randomness. He does not bring chaos. He does not bring confusion or he does not bring glory to man. And that is a litmus test. You guys ever heard of a litmus test before? I told you I was into chemistry for a while, which was a really weird season of my life. But I did really well in chemistry in school. And they would have this thing called a litmus test, and you'd have to figure out if it was an acid or a base by putting this little piece of paper in, and it would turn either red or blue. Well, the way that you know if the Holy Spirit is guiding you is by what kinds of things he directs you to. And this is an illustration, of course. This is not to judge anyone who has a messy room. That's not what this is about, Okay. Because some of us like clean rooms, some of us like somewhat dirty rooms. That's okay. But the Holy Spirit will always direct us in the spiritual way to order, to proper things, to things that help us become more like Jesus Christ. He is not about confusion. He is not about chaos. So anytime you see confusion and chaos, the Holy Spirit is most likely not there because he would operate in a very direct, orderly, biblical way. And that's a litmus test for whether we know the Holy Spirit is here. Number four, confusion, is he can remove his ministry for a time from those unwilling to utilize his power for right purposes. Because you have to know this about God. He does not waste things. He does not waste his grace. He does not waste his son. He does not waste his Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is given to those, and much like myself in my early 20s, I was misusing God's blessings. Those things were removed from me for a time so that I could get my eyes back on the right one and then the Spirit can return to that person. And we can't linger there too long, but the, the Scripture does say this about the Holy Spirit. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not put him in a position where he is forced to leave your church or your, your, your own soul. Because as we will understand later on, and maybe hopefully we understand that even now, is without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. Nothing for God. We need the Holy Spirit to guide our every thought and our every action. So do not quench the Holy Spirit by improper living and improper choices. We are to take that Holy Spirit and we are to use him properly. In fact, in Ephesians 5, it says this. It says, do not get drunk with wine. 
Because what does being drunk lead to? It leads to confusion and chaos and bad fruits. For that is debauchery, that is indulgence in the flesh. But instead be filled with the Spirit. Because look what the Spirit, being filled of the Spirit, will lead to. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is what I hope and pray that Crossroads Church is full of, the Holy Spirit. Because when we are full of the Holy Spirit, we will do the right things, and the outside world will see the light of Jesus here. And that's the point of our church. And so that we can glorify God and we can shine that light. But in order for that to happen, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And that's what this lesson is about, so that we can direct our vision properly. And sadly, we're looking, as a, as a culture and a community, we're looking to all the wrong things to fill us, are we not? We're looking to outside sources. We're looking to pleasures and gratifications that only last for a short time to satisfy those deep longings within us for something eternal. And we can't find them in the world. We can only find them from God himself in the Spirit. So we are to be full of the Spirit. Now I want to give you an illustration. I want you to imagine, let's see if our screen catches up here. Because it is on mine, I can prove it, see? Sometimes the tech doesn't work. Okay, let's try that. And we've lost it all. Well, that's a very strange problem. Okay, okay. So it's just the one slide. All right, well, I'm just going to visualize this for you because it doesn't like, seem to like the slide. But I want you to imagine that you guys have heard of the Amazon, right? The Amazon rainforest. I want you to imagine that we got dropped off in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. Okay? Dropped off, and we had two goals, survive and get out. How do you think that would go for most of us? That would go very poorly because the Amazon rainforest is teamed with all sorts of dangerous things, dangerous bugs, dangerous insects, dangerous animals. Dangerous terrain, very extreme temperatures. I'm guessing that would not go very well because none of us would have a clue about what we're doing, about survival and about getting out of that. But imagine if you had that guy up there. Does anyone know who that is? Bear who? Bear Grylls. Yes, Bear Grylls is an outdoor survivalist. And for a while he was really famous, had this TV show called Man vs. Wild, and I liked watching that because I thought one day I'd be dropped in the middle of the Amazon rainforest and have no idea what to do. Um... But I want you to imagine if you were dropped in the middle of the Amazon rainforest and you had Mr. Bear Grylls with you. What do you think you'd do? Do you think you'd go your own way? Don't you think you'd take every single footstep Mr. Bear Grylls took? You'd walk every single step as he did. You'd watch out for the things he said, watch out for. You'd say, if he said, go here, you'd go here. I think that's exactly what you'd do if you were in a very dangerous place. You would listen to the expert. Correct? See if our screen's going to catch up now. Well, in the Christian life, the Christian life, too, is, is teamed with dangerous things. And here's just a sampling of the things you will find along the way in the Christian journey. Temptation from the devil himself. Temptation to sin and to break God's commandments. You will find loneliness in the Christian life. You will find weakness, fear, despair sometimes, confusion often, persecution, and weariness. And you and I are supposed to follow Jesus Christ until the end, our very last breath. And the question is how? How are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ when all of these things are against us? 
And the answer is quite simple. We need someone to show us the way. We need someone to guide us. This is, this is me on the left, even though the guy has hair and I don't. But that's me when I look at a map, okay? I look at a map like, what? What is that road? What is it telling me to do? That's why I'm thankful for GPS. Because the GPS talks to me and it says, go here, you dummy. And take a U-turn and don't do that again. But on the right side, you have what, what looks like the Holy Spirit could be guiding you to, to the right direction, okay? That's what the Holy Spirit does. It takes this and it helps us make sense of it. It helps us understand it. It helps us obey it properly. And without the Holy Spirit's influence, we cannot do what we need to do. All of those things against us, we will fail, we will falter, we will give up. But if we have the Holy Spirit, we will go on. The first thing I want to talk about today, and we have three points today. It's the person of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to end on the, did I say that wrong? The person, the power, and the purpose. We want to end on the purpose of the Holy Spirit. But today we want to talk about the person. Who is this Holy Spirit? Who is he? We've talked about how he's part of the Godhead. But scripture speaks very clearly on this person. Now, if you remember Pentecost, Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the disciples, Jesus had left them. He ascended back to heaven and he told them to wait, wait in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit was going to arrive. And so they, they obeyed Jesus and they were in the upper room and they waited for the Holy Spirit and then like a rush of water and a powerful wind, the Holy Spirit came into the room and it was this profound thing and it said these tongues of fire were above their heads and the Holy Spirit came and it started giving them utterance. It started to help them speak in languages they had never known before and they started to speak about the works of God in these languages, these languages that other people in the community knew, they started to hear the works of God because the Holy Spirit started to help them. That was God's influence upon those weak, feeble, frail people called the apostles. And thankfully, because of the Holy Spirit coming to those people, we have an entire book called The Acts of the Apostles. Hopefully you've read that book. If you haven't, take time to read that book because when you read Acts, you come to one conclusion. Those men are not capable of that on their own. They can't do that on their own. Nor can I do what I'm doing on my own. Who gets credit for all of these great acts in the scripture? God does. Namely, the Holy Spirit. And so when you see Peter and James and John and Paul and the other apostles doing amazing things for God. In fact, there's one time that I believe Peter um, was passing by people and his shadow, do you remember this, was healing sick people. He's walking by sick, pe sick people and his shadow was healing them. That's how profound... The work of God has been on the apostles' lives. But of course we know they don't get credit for that. God's power was upon these people. And therefore, that's what this church needs as well. If Crossroads Church is going to go to places that only God can bring us, we need God to direct us there. God to empower us there. And that's what we're going to pray for, and that's what we're going to ask for. is for the Holy Spirit to influence this church in a way we cannot take credit for. <laughs> now, sometimes you will see this... <laughs> In TV, media, and movies, you'll ever see that before? You ever see the two little people on their shoulders? You got the little devil creature saying, do something bad. And the little angel creature saying, no, don't do something bad. Do something good. I don't know. Who, who made that one? That's when, that one's weird. It says, Pastor Todd is a dweeb. That's the devil saying. The other guy's saying, no, best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> Sometimes this is a silly way for how we depict these voices inside our head, right? And I, I know if you've been in the Christian life long enough, you, would know, you know what this experience is like. You will get messages sent to your brain. Now, they're not audible, generally. Generally, they're just internal, in your mind. And often, they will influence you. They will tell you things that could be true or could not be true. 
But the Holy Spirit is directing these messages to our heart. And the only way that we can have the Holy Spirit is by believing in Jesus Christ and following him with our lives. And when we have that Holy Spirit, he's sending those direct messages from God, from his word, that we'll talk about here in a bit. But there's also another spirit. And he doesn't have horns or a pitchfork. I don't know why people do that. But he's also sending messages to the brain and to the heart. And our goal is to figure out which one is right and which one is wrong. And so we need help. And thankfully, we are not left alone. We are given the scriptures. The scriptures are how we decide and how we decipher who those voices are and who we should listen to. Because the spirits can be very, very complex, very wise in how they speak, very deceiving if they're wrong spirits. So we need to understand the right spirit and we need to be full of the spirit. In John 16, Jesus said this to his disciples. Now you have to understand at this point, Jesus had been with his disciples for three years. Okay, and he was about to ascend back to heaven. And I want you to picture yourself one of these disciples. Jesus had been with you. Now he died and it looked grim. And then three days later, he rose from the grave and everything looked like it was back on and great again. And then Jesus told his disciples that he was going to leave them. And I want you to imagine hearing that from the Lord Jesus Christ, saying, I'm about to leave you and you're about to take the mantle and the, and the torch from me and continue my work on and feeling very nervous by that, going, Jesus, please don't leave. Please don't leave. We've had your influence. We've had your teaching. We've had your protection. You cannot leave. I can imagine being very nervous by that prospect. And then in verse 7 of John 16, Jesus said this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, how can that be possible, Jesus? How can that be possible that you're going to leave us, you're going to actually ascend back to heaven 40 days after you rose again, and you're going to leave us and we're going to be on our own? How can that possibly be an advantage? Well, Jesus says, this is how. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, for three years, these disciples had Jesus next to them many parts of the day. Jesus would talk with them. Jesus would fellowship with them. Jesus would guide them. Jesus would show them amazing miracles before their eyes. And you thought that couldn't get any better. It couldn't get any better than having physical Jesus next to us for several periods of the day. And then Jesus says, on the contrary. When I leave this earth, things are actually going to get better. Because I'm going to go from being next to you several periods of the day to being inside of you through my Holy Spirit every single moment of the day. Not next to you. And not next to you occasionally. But with you in your heart every moment of the day. And when I send the helper, you will notice. The helper will take over your life in a way that you couldn't even imagine. And so when you see the book of Acts and when you read these stories, you understand that what Jesus said is true. In fact, Jesus said, you will do greater works than even I did. Because we will go from having one Jesus to having numerous versions of Jesus with the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And that's what this church is capable of. I want you to understand that. Not that we will turn into Jesus, that's not what happens, but we are going to be influenced by Jesus, by having his Holy Spirit within us. And therefore, we go from having one Son of God upon the earth to numerous because he lives and dwells within us. 
And therefore, we can make a greater impact on this earth than even one Jesus could. And Jesus himself said that. So he says, it's to your advantage, disciples, that I go away. Because I will send the helper. And when the helper comes, he will do three things. He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit will speak in such a profound way that the world will know one thing is clear. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And if the Spirit has ever spoken to you in that profound way, then that's the conclusion you came to as well. And I remember when that happened in my life. When he convicted me of my sin and he showed me righteousness and he showed me that there's a judgment day and he said, Todd, you need Jesus. And that was the day that I agreed with him and said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And that Holy Spirit gets the credit for that in my life. I did not do that on my own. It's not because I'm so sharp and so academic. It's because the Holy Spirit spoke those messages to my heart, to my brain, from the scriptures. And I'm alive today and I'm a pastor today because of what the Holy Spirit has done in my life. In John 16, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, which he has come, and for everyone who believes in Jesus, he has come to you as well, guess what he will do? He will guide you into all the truth. He does not have his own agenda. His agenda is made very clear. He guides you into everything that God has already told you. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears from God, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Do you notice that? The Spirit is to stay in his lane. He is supposed to remind you and share with you the things that Jesus has already told you. The things that God has already made clear. He will glorify me. And who's speaking here? Jesus. That's the Spirit's job, to glorify the Son. That's his primary job in all that he does, is to make much of Jesus. To point people to Jesus. He will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. And therefore, we have our model once again. We have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Spirit. The Son serves the Father, the Spirit serves the Son, but the Father gives everything to the Son, and the Spirit reminds us of what the Son says, and we come up to one conclusion. Follow Jesus in all things. And that's very crystal clear in the Scripture. And that's very easy, Then that's very simple. We don't have to... Do, divide our attention from three persons in the Godhead. They all make it crystal clear. Follow Jesus Christ. And the Spirit will remind us of that here today. In fact, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, I have a helper. And guess who the helper is? The Lord is my helper. Now, how can that be true? Because Jesus is not here any longer. How can the Lord possibly be still helping us? He is seated, according to Hebrews, at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven right now. Seated. And yet the writer of Hebrews says, but the Lord is my helper. That is true because the Holy Spirit is that helper. And therefore, because he is that helper, who are we helped by? The Lord himself. The Lord Jesus. It's as if Jesus is right now residing within us, showing us the way to go. Jesus himself, directly. Because his Holy Spirit thinks the exact same way, wants the exact same things, and will guide us into all truth. And I am so thankful to be able to say that today. The Lord Jesus is my helper, directly. Directly. I know him. He knows me. I fellowship with him. He fellowships with me. Isn't that an amazing truth? Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without wind. We are 
useless. And I hope you believe that to be true because we are so dependent upon God. Now the interesting thing about it is we will mature in the Christian life. We will. We will gain more knowledge. We will gain more experience. We'll get tougher because of trials. But we will never get to the point where we do not need to depend upon God. In fact, I would even say it this way. The further you grow in Christ, the more you realize your dependency upon God. Now that I'm 43, I depend upon God more than I did 10 years ago. More than I did one year ago. Because the Spirit is maturing me to understand that. Uh, continuing in John, Jesus said this. He said, these things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, that's who Jesus calls, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, there it is again, very clear, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have already said to you. Do you notice that? The Spirit does not teach anything new. He's not creating a new Bible. He does not have his own instructions or his own law. What does he do? He reminds you of what Jesus taught you already. The Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew, where Jesus gave this long, eloquent, very deep, powerful lesson. The Spirit would simply say to us, the exact same thing, verbatim. Whatever Jesus said, he will remind us of what Jesus said, and he will say, go that way, do those things, listen to Jesus. And I find that to be a very refreshing thing. And that's a litmus, litmus test for how we know we have the Spirit of God. What does he teach us? If he teaches us the things that Jesus already taught us, that is the Holy Spirit. If he tries to teach you something new and give you a new voice and a new message, other than what Jesus taught you, that is a Spirit. It is a Spirit. But it's often a wrong spirit or a demonic spirit. And we need to be very careful not to listen to those new ideas because the spirit will always tell us to do what he's told us to do already. Let's now talk about the power of the Holy Spirit because there's tremendous power, as we talked about, that the Holy Spirit can provide us. There's a lot of different things that I could lay before you as to how the Holy Spirit gives us power, but one of the most profound things I've ever read in Scripture comes from Ezekiel 37. Maybe you guys have heard of this before. It's called the Valley of, what is it? Dry Bones. I want you to think of this big valley of skulls and bones. And So the prophet Ezekiel is led here, okay? Led to this valley of dry bones. And he's going to be asked a very strange question. And I have to summarize the story because we don't have enough time to dive into this. But please, 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 listen to your pastor. Read this. Read Ezekiel 37. It's, it's biblical, and second of all, it's awesome, okay? It's like, reading a, it's like reading the most amazing story you've ever read. In Ezekiel 37, the prophet is taken before the valley, and he's asked a very strange question from the Lord. The Lord says, can these bones live? Can you imagine someone asking you that? Do you see these bones here? Yeah, can they live? And the prophet had just an honest answer back to the Lord. He said, Lord, you know. <laughs> I just love that answer. Lord, you know. I don't know how I can, how I can answer that, but Lord, you know if they can live. Well, he tells the prophet to prophesy to these bones. And in verse 7 he said, So I prophesied as I was commanded from the Lord. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone, sinews, and flesh came on these bones. And I want you to picture what a wild scene this was for the prophet to see, going, What? And these bones, these dead, dry bones are coming together into bodies again. But there's only one problem. They're still dead. They're still dead bodies. So the prophet says that back to the Lord going, well, they still don't have breath. 
Lord. And so the Lord says to the prophet, well, I'm going to change that. So in verse 10, he says, I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet in exceedingly great army. And then he says in 13, And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Are you alive today in Jesus? Why is that? You were dead in your sins. So was I. Dead in your sins. And now you're telling me you're alive today. Why is that? How is that? The Lord Jesus Christ brought sinews and bones together and put breath back in your lungs. And then he says in verse 14, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land and you shall know that I am the Lord. You will not take credit for this life. You will know the only way I could have life today is because God himself has given it to me. I have spoken, the Lord says, and I will do it declares the Lord. And I want to let you know that is the philosophy for Crossroads Church right there. The Lord has said it, and the Lord will do it. Amen? Amen? Now, we have a duty to do. All of us have a duty to do, and we will do our duty together. But we need to know at the bottom line, at the end of the day, it is the Lord who spoke and the Lord who will accomplish it through his people. And we have a New Testament example of this, too. If you remember, Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, died. And by the time Jesus got to Lazarus, he had been dead how long? Four days. In fact, so much so that Jesus says, I want to go to the tomb and I want you to roll the stone away. And they're all like, that's a bad idea, Jesus. He's been dead four days. He's going to be stinky. That's not a good idea. I understand what you're trying to do, but the ship sailed. He's been dead. <laughs> and then Jesus Christ said, obey me. Roll the stone away. And then he, he yells into the tomb, Lazarus, come out, or Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? The dead man came out. The dead man emerged from the tomb and he's wrapped in all these burial clothes and Jesus says, take those dead clothes off of him. He's alive now. It's the same story. How did Lazarus live? Lazarus lived because of the very words of God. Lazarus was dead. He heard the word of God. He was awakened. He was alive again. And that's how you and I are alive today. By the power of the Holy Spirit given to us from the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just life we need, is it? It's not. Because that starts our journey, as we've talked about. Life with God begins our journey, but then we have a journey to complete. And so in John 14, Jesus says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we've talked about that already, what those commandments are. And that sounds very hard again. It's like, man, you dropped him right back in the Amazon rainforest again. Thanks, Jesus. That's really hard to do. But Jesus goes on in verse 16. He says, But I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. And there's our Holy Spirit. To be with you. Until the end of your life? No, no, forever. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it's only for believers. It's only for those who recognize their need for God, recognize their need for salvation, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells where? With you and will be with you. He's right here for those who believe in Jesus Christ, you know the Spirit of God is with you because you do things that you're not capable of doing. You're knowing things that you're not capable of knowing. And that, that is a tremendous relief for me to know that I'm alive today because there are signs of life within me. That if the Holy Spirit didn't do it, I couldn't accomplish this. And right now I'm doing one of those, okay? 
This is not my academia doing this. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through me. <laughs> now, here's a picture. Now, I was able to find a picture of you before the Holy Spirit and you after the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? That's all I Googled. And look what came up. Now, here's me in my early 20s trying to be very godly <laughs> on my own strength. Yeah, that's not going real well. Although I look the part, don't I? I looked very Christian. And now here's me, given the, given the Holy Spirit, able to accomplish so much more. And yes, that's a silly picture. That's not actually what it is. But you understand what's going on here, right? Now, I want to I give you another illustration. I was actually going to do this, but with the water bottle thing, and I was going to make a mess here up on stage, a dirty mess, and I didn't want everybody against me. I want to make friends here. So instead, I'm going to illustrate it, okay? I want you to imagine if there was a really big mess up here on the stage. And I was actually going to do this. I should have done it, but I'm just going to illustrate it today. I was just going to make, put a really big mess up here, and I was going to bring a vacuum out, and I was going to clean it up. Because Sue likes that. Sue likes when the building is clean, and I like the building when it's clean. <laughs> but I was going to do one strange thing. I was going to leave it unplugged. And I was going to vacuum as much as I could over that dirt and, and, and see what happened. Do you think I'd be very successful? Because <clears throat> you can't vacuum without power, can you? You can't vacuum up a mess without the power that comes from the outlet. Well, I want to make one thing very, very clear. We cannot do what God has called us to do without the Holy Spirit. We cannot. We will simply be running in place. We will be running like a hamster on a wheel going nowhere. So in order to accomplish the things that God has given to us, which are lofty goals, I mean, they really are, to be like Jesus in all things, to think like Jesus, to reach the lost to obey the commandments of God, how are you and I supposed to do that? The answer is we cannot, unless we have the power. And once we have the power, we can do all things. We have one thing to finish on before we close, and that is the purpose. Why the Holy Spirit? What's the goal with the Holy Spirit? To just be powerful individuals? To just know that God is living within us? I mean, what is the purpose of having the Holy Spirit? That's what we want to close on today. In John 16, he says again, He will glorify me, Jesus, for he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. He will do exactly what Jesus has taught him to do, exactly what Jesus has taught us to do, so that we know where to go and what to do. Now, we've used this as an illustration before, but what mountain is this? I heard it. Mount Everest. Mount Everest. How tall is Mount Everest? Does anybody know? It's big. Someone nailed it. It is big. It is very big. In fact, it is 29,000. Oh, that's messy. 29,000, like 28 feet or something like that. Okay, it's really big. Now, does anyone know how big Mount Washington is? 6,000, which is really big. That's a big mountain. In fact, when I see Mount Washington, I'm like, you're so big. But in comparison to Mount Everest, we're talking like that. I don't think they can see that. But it's really small, right? compared to Mount Everest. Now, it's a very big mountain, but when you have to put four of them on top of each other to get to Mount Everest, you can tell Mount Everest is a monster of a mountain. And people tried to climb this, and some are successful. But we've compared the Christian life to scaling Mount Everest, because right here at the top is something truly tremendous. Yes, a base camp is salvation. That's also tremendous. But at the tip top of this summit is something truly, truly remarkable. Christ-likeness. And guess what? Every single person who is saved is commanded up that mountain. <laughs> Go up. Keep going up until you get there. And don't stop. Don't look back. Don't linger. 
keep going up this mountain. And the, the problem is, is when we all hear that, and I remember teaching that for the first time and everybody going, yeah. how can we do that? Pastor, that's very discouraging. But here's the point. Once again, we can't. Unless God himself, who has designed the mountain and who has scaled the mountain on his own strength, gives that strength to each of us. And then not only can we get up the mountain, we will and we must. And we will scale a mountain that we really have no business being on at all, let alone getting to the summit. But we will do so and we will, when we get there, because we will get there by God's strength, we will all say the same thing, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. I, did, I could not scale that mountain. In fact, I could not even be at that base camp without Jesus Christ. But with Jesus Christ, I not only got to that mountain, but I went up that mountain. And I'm right now, and many of you are with me, are scaling that mountain together by the help of the Holy Spirit. One more thing that the Holy Spirit is likened, likened to, if you remember the temple. The temple was a building constructed so that God could meet with his people. And it had, again, be very specific, built according to very precise instructions. And it had to be done very properly. Okay, not anyone could just bust into the temple and worship God. You had to go through very specific sets of instructions. And if you wanted to get into the Holy of Holies, most likely you couldn't. Because only the high priest could go in there. But then the temple was done away with, and it was replaced. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Have you ever considered that? Have you ever considered your body to be the temple of God? That we don't need a temple anymore? We meet here in a, in a storefront, and that's okay, because we don't need a temple anymore. Why don't we need a temple? Because we have the Holy Spirit right here living within us. And then he gives us very interesting instructions. He says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body, which is the new temple of God. This body that we've been given is not ours. It's not ours to do whatever we want to with. This body, this church building, these gifts, these abilities, these monies, everything that God has given to us is on loan. We are managers of it. That's all we are, managers, stewards of this. And we are commanded to do with them according to the will of God. And thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit living within us to help us with that task. We don't have to go get him. We don't have to make an appointment like you do with Pastor Todd. Isn't that the great thing that you can simply talk to him today, right now, in your seat, as soon as you get home, on the way home, before bed, as soon as you wake up, you can get with the, with the Lord himself and say, Lord, I need your help to accomplish your will, and he will help you. So we don't need the old temple because our body is the new temple of God. And that's a tremendous relief to us. I hope it is. Because back in the day, it was a very difficult thing to get with God and to worship God, and now we can do it with great, great ease the last thing we're going to end on is this. Our last purpose is not only to get up this mountain that God has called us to, but to bear fruit. So in John 15 that we've illustrated out there, we, we have a great thing in our little lobby there. There's a branch with lights on it and a verse speaking this exact same thing. Jesus said about himself, he said, I am the vine or the true vine and you are the branches. Now whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much Fruit. Now, what is this fruit he's talking about? Well, we've already talked about it in our, yes, in our scripture reading. Whoop, I need to spell that right. Fruits of righteousness, or fruits of the Spirit. God wants fruits from our life. He wants a crop. 
He wants something to gather in the last days, something that pleases him, something that glorifies him. And yes, it's not literal fruit like we're thinking about apples and oranges and grapes, but it's fruits of righteousness, fruits of the Spirit. And he says you can bear much fruit. In fact, you must bear much fruit, but only if you abide in me. For apart from me, here it is again, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. That's not very flattering. (laughs) Todd, you're worthless without me. Okay. But I get the message. And I've understood and I've seen myself without the Lord and I know what I'm able to accomplish. And he's right. I can accomplish nothing. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Because there's only two purposes for a branch. You bear fruit or you're fire tender. And God wants fruit from our lives. In fact, he demands fruit from our lives because God is worthy of it. And so here we have the picture of what he's telling us. If Jesus is the true vine, this is us, the branch, and these are the fruits that God wants. Now, if you take this branch and you sever it, what can the branch produce? Nothing. There's no nutrients. There's no life getting to it. But if it remains in the vine and remains connected to Jesus, it can bear all kinds of good fruit. And here's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And this is how we're going to end today. And this is the passage we just read from our scripture reading. Paul says to us in Galatians 5, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, because that's bad. That's against God. That is negative fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law or is no need for the law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And I mean to cross that out. If we live by the Spirit, if we understand the need for the Spirit, we have one thing left to do. Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk by that Spirit. Understand your need for that Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. On the contrary, walk by that Spirit. Depend upon that Spirit. Seek that Spirit. And when you do, you will not only bear fruit, but you will bear good fruit. Good fruit that is pleasing to God, something that God is glorified by. When he goes to see your life and he sees the marks of Christ upon your life, and he is glorified by the good fruit, because the only other option is bad fruit. Fruit that you were not connected to Jesus Christ. And that's nothing we want to be a part of. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Can you accomplish any of those without the Holy Spirit? The answer is clearly not even close. And if you've tried like I've tried, you've failed miserably. You can produce fruit, but there are all kinds of bad fruits. But if you want to bear the fruit that God expects from your life, you must abide in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to race through these because we're long on our time today, but I want to leave you... With instruction, I'm going to leave you with application. How to walk in the Spirit of God, okay? If this is something you understand and something you believe and something you agree with, which I hope is 100% here today, how do we walk in the Spirit of God? There's five things. Number one, realize your help for Him. That simple. Realize you need Him. Realize that apart from Him, you can do nothing. Don't be this guy, okay? Don't be that guy, okay? That's not going to go well. I've spent many years trying to accomplish the work of God on my own strength. It's a very miserable process, and I went nowhere. So recognize your need for the Holy Spirit and pray for it. Spend time with God. 
stay near the Spirit. In fact, that leads us to our number two. If you want to walk in the Spirit of God, discipline yourself to exercise. And I'll say this spiritually. Okay? First Timothy, Paul says this, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, it's good to exercise, good to keep your body trim and fit. Godliness is of value in every possible way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Therefore, if you want to walk in the Spirit, exercise the proper way. I hate crossing this out because exercise is good. But the most important exercise is spiritual exercise. Getting with the Lord and those disciplines of prayer, Bible study, church attendance, fellowship, regular fellowship and meditation. That is how you walk by the Spirit. You depend upon the things that only God can give you through His Word. And that takes a tremendous amount of discipline to exercise that way. Because it's hard. It takes work. It takes effort to do that every single day. But as your pastor, I can't encourage you beyond just sitting with the Lord each day and getting that power from Him to accomplish what He's called you to do. Number three, we've talked about this, obey the commandments. Don't just run aimlessly. Okay, don't just do anything that you think is holy and righteous. That's not good enough. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you really want the proper fruits, do the things that I've called you to do. And we went over what these look like. I can't go over this tremendously again. But if you didn't have that, if you haven't learned that discussion on the commandments of God, I ask you to go look at that and remember, remind yourself of what that means. Because God gave us two overarching commandments. And then he gave us a bunch of different ways to figure out how best to do these things. That's what the Spirit wants. He wants the things that Jesus already mentioned, which are the commandments of God. If you want to please God, aim yourself at those commandments and ask for the power from God to accomplish those things. Number four, if you want to walk in the Spirit, I told you we're going to come back to this, resist the devil. For a time, I ran from the devil. I hid from the devil. I cowered from the devil. And that's when the Spirit of God said to me, Todd, get up. Get up and go forward. You're going to resist him. He's going to come after you, and you're going to resist him, and you're going to keep going forward. But I can't do that, God. And God says, I know you can't. But I'm going to go with you. And as soon as the devil sees you with me, guess what happens? Yes. He's out of there. If he, if he sees me resisting him with, with no Holy Spirit, that's probably not going to go well for me. But if he sees Jesus standing right next to me through his Holy Spirit, the devil's out of there. He's not going to take that fight. James says it this way, Submit yourselves then to who? God. Because guess what will happen? Resist the devil and he will flee from you because he cannot fight him and win. So stand with God. Depend upon the Spirit of God and the devil himself will run away from you. And the last one is very, very profound, but also very simple. Stay near Jesus. Don't leave him. Don't look to the right or to the left. Don't get distracted. Don't get overcomplicated. Don't overthink it. Find Jesus and stay near him. Because Jesus one day wants a crop from our life. And not only that, he deserves it. And I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that Jesus deserves a whole crop of godly fruits from our life. That he can look upon her life and say, that right there pleases me. I'm thankful for that life. I'm thankful for that ministry. I believe Pastor Mark lived that way. Had a full crop of fruits 
to give to Jesus Christ. And why was that? Because he stayed near Jesus. He planted and watered the right way, and then God gave him the increase. If you want to bear fruits for God, if you want to get up this mountain, if you want to do exactly what God has commanded you to do, learn the person, the power, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And I believe if our church does that right there, we will do things that can only be described by God himself. And the world, even the world, will look at us and go, how? It's amazing. How are they doing that? And might want to see the very same light that is within us. Can we bow in prayer? Father, this is a very big and weighty, complicated lesson. And I thank you for your help today, this morning, to understand just a little bit of the power, the person, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Father, help us to understand our need for you in all matters. That apart from you, we can do nothing, but with you, we can accomplish all things. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be center and central in all things Crossroads Church seeks to do so that we can accomplish your glory, your will, by your strength, for your kingdom's sake. I want to be a part of that, and I hope my brothers and sisters want to be as well. Father, bless this church with that power, with that person, with that purpose, so that we can accomplish your will. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?